Hi, I'm Kiara, and you're listening to Kiara Gets Drunk and Talks About Music, the podcast where we, you guessed it, get drunk and talk about music. In this episode, we will be discussing Blonde by Frank Ocean, released in August 2016 under Ocean's own label, Boys Don't Cry. Before he was Frank Ocean, he was Christopher Edwin Burrow, an 18-year-old kid with a passion for music who was just starting school at the University of New Orleans when Hurricane Katrina destroyed the city. After transferring to the University of Louisiana at Lafayette, Burrow packed up and headed to Los Angeles to pursue a career in the music industry. He told his mom he'd only be gone for six weeks, but L.A. clearly had other plans. It was Burrow's songwriting that got him into the game. He met Tyler, the creator, and Tricky Stewart, and after joining Tyler and Odd Future in 2009, he snagged a record deal with Def Jam. In 2010, Burrow legally changed his name and thus began the era of Frank Ocean. His first EP, Nostalgia Ultra, was released in 2011 and featured the singles Swim Good and Novocaine. Ocean had garnered critical acclaim, a cult following of fans, and also the attention of some of hip-hop's biggest players. Soon, the guy who was once processing insurance claims to make ends meet was writing songs for Titans. We're talking Jay-Z, Kanye West, Beyonce, and John Legend. In 2012, he released his first studio album, Channel Orange, which made major waves in the alternative hip-hop world. Channel Orange sold over 130,000 copies in its first week. It nabbed six Grammy nominations that year and established Ocean as one of the most innovative and introspective musicians in the world. Blonde, stylized without the letter E on the album cover, was dropped in 2016 to the complete and total surprise of Ocean's dedicated fans after waiting four years for new material. Ocean had released an album under Def Jam entitled Endless on August 19th, which would be his last with the label. And literally the next day, Blonde hit Apple Music under his own label, Boys Don't Cry. Time Magazine ranked the album number one on its top albums of the year. Pitchfork said that in Frank Ocean songs, such intimacy attracts the ear, bubbles the brain, and raises the flesh. Blonde was a massive hit, bypassing 200,000 sales the week of its release, a feat also accomplished by the likes of Drake, Beyonce, Metallica, and J. Cole that same year. Blonde is an ethereal collection of personal, emotional songs that fans of hip-hop, electronic, rap, and R&B would love. Today, in honor of the album's simple title, we will be drinking Blonde Ale. So don't fly solo. Be a good guy. Lace up your Nikes and grab a beer. Hello and welcome to Kiara Gets Drunk and Talks About Music. Today we are talking about Blonde by Frank Ocean and my guest is Tiff. Hey Tiff. Hey girl, hey. How's it going? Pretty good, how are you? You know, living the dream. Tiff, you and I have known each other for three years now, I believe. It must be three. I think it's three because uh, we met each other at work and it's been uh, just a love fest ever since. Right? <laughs> Our bond for music, so good. So what kind of music are you into now, Tiff? Um, I would say mostly like electronic music, uh, instrumental hip hop is big to me. Yeah. Hip hop, R&B. Yep rap same thing um the uk scene too like there's a uk like funky garage scene the grime scene dub house techno is also a big part of my life right now so amazing essentially it sounds like everything yeah. a little bit throwing some jazz in there and obviously so well-rounded have my um indie rock loves of course and you used to be a radio dj um not a big deal guys but oh so excuse not me. a big deal <laughs> No, I, I ran a radio show um, for like three years. It was like 2011 to 2013, and it was just at the University of Toronto, the Saga campus. 
we focused mostly on like the underground electronic scene. We brought in a few featured artists as well. Well, that's sick, Tiff. You are a real expert. I am very happy to have you on the pod. I'm uh, so happy to be here. Thank you. I love you. Now, I mean, just to get right into it, obviously, we have to talk about, we're going to be talking about Frank Ocean's Blonde today. And quite simply put, we're going to be drinking blonde ale today how how are you liking it because you're not a beer drinker i'm not a beer drinker and it's hilarious that this was the only blonde beer that you were able to find at the lc at this time maybe it's it's too early is that what the lc guys are blonde i mean like we're in the middle of april it snowed today and they were like no 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 blonde today yeah i guess it is too early but to bet to be honest frank ocean is also too early for his time he was he was indeed good segue good segue (laughs) (laughs) alternative hip-hop alternative (laughs) hip-hop Sorry, R&B. That, my bad. Alternative R&B is what I would call that. But like, I feel like it's a like I it's feel like he doesn't fall into one bucket. And I mean, like That's again, true. we'll Everything. get we'll get right into it. So you are probably the biggest Frank Ocean advocate that I've ever met. <laughs> I think his first like Channel Orange came out. What I want to say, 2012, 2013. Yeah, that was his first like studio album. Yeah, but he had like mixtapes prior to that. So where, have you been following him for a while? I would say from the very beginning um, that mixtape came out in 2011 nostalgia ultra um and i feel like it's, it was either through twitter or through from like tyler the creator or something or like from pitchfork talking about this new frank ocean mixtape and this mixtape is actually quite interesting because the inspiration stemmed from like post hurricane katrina that was like like frank had to relocate his life because of the hurricane at, which at the you time. still feel on this on blonde as well I yes feel he like. talks about it it's like a continuous topic like across like all three albums he does mention hurricane K- katrina but what's interesting about the mixtape is that he samples a lot of like the indie rock scene or like the rock scene in general like there's samples from that's why i brought up like mgmt and coldplay because there's actually like snippets of like these songs embedded in his first mixtape my first introduction to who frank ocean was because i wasn't as involved in the scene as you are oh we have a spill already already i'm hot like can't take me anywhere (laughs) can't take you anywhere uh it was at an awards show where he sang um Forrest Gump. Did he have the cute little orange head? Like he the had the cute little sweatband. Yeah. And then he had the screen blocking half his body and his legs were on the sc- on the screen. His legs were running. Yeah. But he yes. was standing. So it was a cool, like, and I remember being like, visually, I'm like, that's so different and so new. And someone who's def- definitely like pushing the boundaries of what alternative can be. Yeah. Um, and then with, with Blonde, to be honest, like you were probably my biggest, like, gateway drug supplier <laughs> into who he was because i'm like since i met you he's been your phone background so would you say frank is your favorite artist well james blake is my number one true love ever of all time Fair. but the thing is james is very like camera shy so like i actually do try to google james blake iphone wallpaper does that work out for me no like he he has a lot of bad haircuts sometimes so like oh no the aesthetic isn't there but like frank's very like you know aesthetically pleasing exactly so i choose frank over james in that sense <laughs> uh okay so tiff i mean like overall we know you love frank yes you were a huge advocate for frank i mean obviously this was my first time listening to this album uh, to be honest i remember downloading this album and being like oh my god it's a fucking long album there are 17 songs on it i believe <laughs> and who who makes 17 record yeah. 17 song albums anymore like that was to yeah. be, for me that kind of like caught me off guard because most people like stop at like 12 13 maybe with a bonus track and we'll get into some of the details of the songs later but i feel like he's got these really great concrete themes that he explores throughout the album so obviously you know uh katrina and having to face 
the, the tragedy there was something that he focused on. But even if you want to take a step back and take it broader, I think if you want to talk about nostalgia, if you want to talk about jealousy, confusion, uh, this idea of Nirvana, which comes up a couple of times in the album, like he's very clear and uh, intentional. Exactly. And he talks about heartbreak a lot as well. Like he's, he's yes. a very like, it's very introverted, but it's just crazy how he's able to project all of his introversions like through music and through art. Well, I mean, honestly, Tiff, we can get right into it. Um, what what would be a song that for you, you kind of like loved right off the bat? Well, my number one favorite song of all time is Self Control. Big tune. It's like a very like raw, emotional song. And like I had the privilege of experiencing hearing the song live. Where'd you see him live? So I saw, so Frank came to Way Home in 2017. The Way Home experience was like, it was beautiful because it was kind of like, an in, it felt like an intimate studio session because you know how when you go to a festival um there's like a stage and everyone's like crowding the stage we thought that frank would be at the stage but he like silently just walks out and then like basically he performed in the middle he wasn't on the stage he was on the stage at all he's not a stage guy it just felt like an intimate studio session he had his like noise canceling headphones on so it just felt like you're, you were part of like a studio session, which I thought was like really cool. So, so what is it about this song that you like so much? So, self control. Um, to me, it's like, it's like a sad, like heart wrenching breakup ballad. He he says, "Wish I was there. Wish we grew up on the same advice and our time was right." I it, I think that's so funny. Heartbreaking. I well, and I had noted the same lyric. Did I you? thought, oh yeah, gosh, twinsies, <laughs> twinsies. <laughs> <laughs> I think the line "Wish we'd grown up on the same advice." You can take that so many ways because did you know whoever he's speaking about? Did they grow up on advice that was better or worse than the advice he was given? Like, is are you the problem or am I the problem? Or is it how you were raised? How I was raised? I think that's so powerful too. So I think that was a very simple line, but that pack this like crazy punch because you think about it and you're like oh my god half the time like the issue I have with somebody maybe it's not something that they would have had they not gotten this advice or had they not been raised this way exactly and like the big the big three words for me was like and our time was right I guess in my experience with like dating and just in general like sometimes the timing is just not right totally and like maybe they're at a different part of their life where they're not ready or like maybe I'm not ready you know like it just it's just it's like you want to be with a person but then you can't because it's totally. just bad timing i said that really got to me also just in a lyric little virgin wears the white you cut your hair but you used to live a blonded life that that's is that the blonde one. reference looked it up and this one reddit user said um blonded is to repurify yourself for the next change in your life and if you look at frank's like album art for blonde he has it's green blonde, hair. but there's green on top right yeah so in order to get your hair green, you have to bleach it blonde first. It is a and good, right? It's, it's just it's very like a euphemism kind of. Yeah. yeah. What I liked is that there was a little bit of the the indie rock kind of lifestyle that I've grown to love so much because he uses this amazing guitar riff in it. Mm-hmm. And even the beginning, I mean, like the experimental piece comes out in a lot of it too, where he has that uh, the the audio distortion on the voice there mm-hmm. uh, right at the beginning, like right w- before he actually starts singing. And I feel like that's such a great way to like differentiate differentiate yourself. And I loved it. Um, I also have to say one of my favorites is Solo. I do also love that one. I really like Solo because I think it shows off his range, mm-hmm. his vocal range. Because I think somebody who's maybe listening to this uh, album in order, which which I did. Yeah. If you start off with the songs, like it starts off with Nikes and then Ivy and I can't remember where it goes pink from there. And, pink and white maybe? Yeah, I think it is pink and white. And I mean, I don't think those songs do justice to how well he can actually sing and his yeah. vibrato and solo really highlights all of that. Especially the 
in in hell and hell there's heaven like that yeah. part like he really hits those crazy notes and it's really it's really like it sounds cheesy but it's pleasing to the ears like i remember hearing it and like right off the bat i was like, like i know yeah i was like i know this is gonna be one of my favorites Ooh, yeah <laughs> you're I like agree. yeah <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah that was the first one i think uh, the first song on the album again when i was that you to really it, connected to that i really connected to absolutely although i must say he uses the word pussy in this song and for some reason whenever someone throws that word out in a song yeah. i can't get on board i feel like there could have been a word replacement like lady parts or lady parts <laughs> or just like just go full scientific just say <laughs> vagina like, <laughs> the vagine the, the vagine <laughs> like just go french with it i do love that one i think yeah self-control solo are definitely hard to beat but uh w- what else did you like on this album lately i've been really connecting with uh nights nights to me sounds it starts off as like a happy groove and then it kind of turns into like a psychedelic ballad with all the the guitar riffs so very alternative there and then it kind of concludes into like this soothing and slowed like hip-hop kind of calm vibe part three of nights is my favorite because it's very slowed it's so it's so raw and intimate and he kind of talks about living a life connected by rough nights so again the hurricane katrina the hurricane katrina gets brought up again but he, because he, uh, that happened to him when he was in university, right? He had to relocate and, and change schools. And That's a hard time to do that yeah. in your life. I mean, Imagine it's a hard time when regardless. You're, like, you're, you're like so young when you're in university, like 20? No, sorry, 17, 18? When At least first for me. Go, yeah, yeah. You're a child. You're a child. Like, a hurricane's happening? How are you going to, like, that's traumatic, first of all. And then you have to, like, uproot your life and then, like, figure shit out, right? Absolutely absolutely i forgot to speak it to my mind this is what happens this is what happens um what i what i also wanted to call out with knights too um is the line want to see nirvana but don't want to die yet because as i mentioned kind of as i mentioned earlier nirvana i think is a theme that comes up in this song it comes up in siegfried i've never really thought of before but you know if you if you google what nirvana means in buddhism enlightenment yeah it's it's enlightenment and it's that transcendent state of of happiness and in itself it's a perfect state of happiness mm-hmm. and i think everybody in some way is trying to reach that and i mean like given everything that frank's gone through with katrina and you know even brought up his haters and like things that mm-hmm. you're going to encounter as a person as a young person going through your life trying to figure out what your career is you're always you're always going to have that goal of transcendent perfect happiness in mm-hmm. your mind um so i like the fact that he used that in a lot of his albums and i do like the fact that he made it fairly explicit in his lyrics that he's like i'm gonna talk about nirvana i'm gonna in nights and i'm gonna talk about it in siegfried because mm-hmm. he says in siegfried i think it's um when he says speaking of nirvana it was there he's alluding to the idea of watching his partner mm-hmm. sleep and yeah. how your perfect state of happiness could be as easy as watching somebody sleep it could be as easy as like having a drink with a friend or going to a show yeah, yeah. people just need to like realize like also like living in the moment and like appreciating what you have in front of you Instead of like just letting life pass you by or like taking things for granted. 100%. We went real deep there. This is early on in the episode. I'm proud of us. (laughs) Um, So I guess it's my turn to talk about another one that I really like. Tell me. I'm going to go with Good Guy. The reason why I like it so much. uh, So first of all, the... um, the keyboard sound it's like a very it's it's a very uh old school sounding Mm -hmm. uh kind of keyboarding 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 that's probably not a word word. but i like it do you know what i mean it's old school (laughs) keyboarding that's done 
And it reminds me a lot of um, the song Only One by Kanye. And it uses the same, it's got the same kind of vibe. It's got that old school keyboarding sound. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And this song was obviously written by, or it was featuring McCartney. Sorry, uh, the Kanye one, not the Frank Ocean one, but it's featuring Paul McCartney. So right away, I kind of got this old school like Beatle vibe. And it's very sad in itself because it's Frank talking about uh, him going on a date with with a guy and what i liked about this is there's a line where he says uh and you text nothing like you look right and i think that in the age of online dating oh my god that might be my favorite line on the record because i've had enough bumble hinge dates to know that i can have a conversation with somebody via text and be like this is the one (laughs) and meet them and be like what girl you (laughs) that's you (laughs) i think there's something to be said about the fact that you can like he again he uses the phrase you text nothing like you look to to match a face to the name or to match a personality to the face whatever i'm thinking about it more of like you text nothing like you actually are yeah but why are you like so witty via text exactly like is triggering to like my serial dating escapades actually serial (laughs) dating escapades wow that should be the title of your podcast (laughs) no we don't want to go there escapades with (laughs) tiff (laughs) i can see it i can see it on the marquee but i feel like i talk I feel like I text the same way that I am in person. I feel like I do too. It speaks to you being honest about who you want to be, but not everybody wants to be that kind of person on online dating. People want to, uh, it's almost like the opposite effect. It's like, I want you to meet me and like fall in love with me then. But I kind of see that as like, dude, that's false advertising. Like I was, yeah. I, I liked you more when I didn't know who you, like I didn't meet you face yeah. to face because you were so like charismatic and we could talk about music and it was super easy. And then I meet you and you're just like dull. And it's cause it's so easy to hide behind your phone and like people have way more confidence texting than like actually being a person and being present in real life. Right. They don't know how to like compute it's very hard to find a person who's kind of in that exact same space you are. So I was appreciative of the fact that he was so honest about what the dating process is like. I do. Yes. You feel me? I feel you girl. Thanks. <laughs> you got any more, uh, do I have any more songs? Um, all right. Well, the next one I wanted to talk to about was a Facebook story. It's not like my favorite, but it's just an interesting interlude. Okay. So like with this and the reason why is because, um, so the French guy, the super French, I can't do a French accent. Can you? Oh, I was going to, <laughs> and now I'm nervous. No, don't. He goes, you can do it. I, uh, I met this girl before. Yes. Exa- that's exactly yes, how it sounds, exactly. right? So that's actually, um, Sebastian. He's like a French electronic producer. So it's like his audio clip talking to Frank. So it's a true story. It's a true story. So Sebastian talks about how like, when Facebook arrived and how his girlfriend wanted to add him on Facebook. Yeah. Um, but then he was like, but I'm, I'm in front of you, like facing you every day. Like, like why do you need, need me on Facebook? I don't need to accept you. And then she thought that he was like cheating on her and, and all this stuff. So like, I, I thought that was interesting. I was like, wow, like social media really takes a toll. It really affects people like dramatically in that way. Like how does someone think that their partner is cheating on them just because they won't add them to Facebook. That doesn't, the logic there doesn't make sense to me. Oh, absolutely. I think we've been fucked over as a generation because we've placed so much weight on social media and what goes on your social media. And I'm not saying that it's good or necessarily bad, but I think it does. It's a bigger part of our lives than it ever was for you oh, know, the, the generation yeah. before us and how so much of it is fabricated. You know, you can you can hide behind things like oh, I'm going to post this boomerang. I'm going to do this or whatever. But I'm like, if you want to find out if a person's 
really happy, sit them down, look them in the eyes. Yeah. You, you'll be able to tell, like you, there's so many things you can't tell from like them posting like a cool, like I'm, I mean, I'm kind of known for when I go to shows, like I like to post an Instagram or two on my like story, whatever, yeah. like from the show that I'm going to. But half the time I wonder, I'm like, am I just posting this because I feel like I have to show people that I'm out doing something that I love? Like, why can't I just get that validation from myself for doing something that I love? Like, why right. do I feel the need to show it? I am an Instagram queen. <laughs> a queen? Is that what you said? Qu- no, I said queen. Oh, sorry. Okay. Am I not? Sp- I think the blonde beard's getting to me. The blonde beard's I'm getting not to speaking. you? Speaking. Yes. The Let podcast is working. <laughs> Edit this out. But Kay. my intention with social media, like I don't really think about it when I'm posting things. Like I, I post, you know, the happy events of my life. If I'm going out or seeing my friends. Like I want to document that because I tend to sometimes go back and reminisce and like look at my archive and see I like, how too. much fun I'm having and like, Oh, like I'm so glad I documented this cause this was a, an, an amazing time, you know? So like, that's my purpose of it. Like I'm not doing it just to show off that I'm having the best time or like just proving myself to anyone. It's just for my own benefit. Right. But then there's also a fine line. Like some people do it for other reasons. Right. So it's just, and then like, and then we be, become so consumed and attached to social media that like, then it kind of, no one's like actually present in real life. I find. Right. Absolutely. They're addicted to their phones. Even when like I try, like when I'm going out with my friends or like, on a date or like anything right I'm tr- i try not to be on my phone at all right but then some people but then you see situations where like the other person is just like constantly on their phone so it's like in front of somebody right now like face to face and you're ha- trying to have dinner or having a good time but then you notice them like on their phone the whole time it's kind of it's just it's, it's it's weird and and that's i think a perfect example of sebastian or sebastian sebastian how he feels in this in this facebook story interlude right because that's kind of his argument to this girl is that why do i need to have you on facebook i'm in front of you exactly and then because of that that's where i think the jealousy theme of this album comes in too yeah he does mention jealousy as well yeah right it's it's totally it's it's all just jealousy it's people being like my social media life is not complete without this aspect of my life of you being in it Mm -hmm. and i'm jealous of the people that i'm seeing on social media i mean at at one time facebook was the be all end all of social media it was number one for me yeah (laughs) now we've got insta now we've got twitter there's fucking snapchat and like everything i don't use snapchat anymore I, I feel like it. Instagram took over. Like, I don't really add people on Facebook anymore. I add people on Instagram. That's true. Yeah. You know it what I mean? Like, that, that's the mo- Most people are like, for. what's your IG? I'm like, okay. Do they say what's your IG? <laughs> they say what's your IG. You're so much more hip than I am. Yes. Anyways, that's Facebook. <laughs> that's Facebook story. That's Facebook story. So um, the last one I did want to touch on before we get into maybe some of the more uh, negatives of the album. Um, so I'm, to be honest, I'm not an interlude person i usually don't love the interlude idea because i'm like make it long enough to be a song or at least have it move the record forward at least use it as a transitional piece to move the record forward the example that comes to mind for me is sam's town by the killers right because sam's town you have the interlude literally called or interlude i think they call it and the exit lude and it perfectly summarizes what you're about to hear on the album and then it closes everything off ties it with a bow and sends you on your way Mm -hmm. so I think it can be used appropriately, it, uh, appropriately, but I also think it can be used and it can be very ostentatious and very extravagant. And then all of a sudden your record's 17 songs long and you're like, okay, right. You know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. I, I do have a love, uh, love hate relationship. Mostly it's a hate, but I would say in the, in the span of this record, good guy, I really like. Um, and the other one that I actually really liked, which is not a, uh, an actual song, but I like be yourself. The voicemail from, 
Yeah, from his mom. From his mom. Which is, I do want to touch on that as well. Yes. Um, and I think the reason why I liked it so much is that, yeah, the message in itself, I think it's a, it's a talk from our parents we've all gotten at <laughs> one point or another telling you not to do drugs and telling you not to drink and, and do whatever. But the don't heart drink. of the message. Don't do coke. Don't do coke. Don't do that weed. Don't do that weed unless it's prescribed. Yeah, exactly. But the heart <laughs> on of the doctors, message. doctors, whatever she said. But the heart of the message at itself, at its core, is the strongest part of it. It, which yeah. is you know she says uh be yourself and know that that is good enough be yourself be secure with yourself and trust upon your own decisions and your own beliefs and that's the biggest thing yeah. that i take away from this like yeah it's gonna be your mom telling you not to do stupid shit because that's yeah. what moms are supposed to tell you to do but she also wants you to be proud of who you are exactly. and to accept yourself you don't have to do drugs to be cool is basically what the message is. Exactly. And I just love too. it's such like a mom thing for her to like be talking. And she was like, yeah, like, you know, like don't do drugs. Like don't do all this. Okay. This is mom. But also like, don't do that. Like she kind of like goes, but back. also call me back. Yeah, like exactly. <laughs> like it's, it's super mom. And, and I think that's why I super love it. And she's got this great, like the way she accentuates her words. So she says, you know, people who do weed, they <laughs> who st- do weed, <laughs> they do weed, they become sluggish, stupid, stupid lazy, lazy and unconcerned (laughs) and then this is mom call me back like it's literally just it's so i'm like and and i think back to like my mom and i think everybody can kind of relate relate it back to one of their parents of having that conversation where it's like don't do this i'm gonna be stern with you in this moment and please don't but also i love you like don't worry about it like (laughs) no matter what happens like you're still my baby like don't worry about it and that's what i really liked about this it was very real to me so like i like interludes for the sole purpose of mom mom references or like mom recordings because like frank specifically has his mom on the record i don't know if you've listened to or like have you heard of sizza or listened to sizza Mm -hmm. so her album control amazing she also has a few like mom recordings in there same thing with solange her record um a seat at the table tina on there Tina, do you say Tina Fey? I almost said Tina Fey, but Tina Fey is not wrong. Tina, wrong Tina. (laughs) Her mother, Tina Knowles, on the album as well. So like maybe it's just like a like it's just a connection piece I think for these artists, right? Like they look up to their in this case their mom specifically, right? So they it's like part part of their creation process too, right? So like I just yeah. Absolutely. Sorry, I didn't speak into the mic again. <laughs> Absolutely. I was like, totally. You couldn't hear what I was saying. I agree with you there. I also do like to point out that she calls people who do, uh, who smoke weed, weed heads. Weed heads. Oh, yeah. That was so and funny. I, was like, I, I chuckled. You mean potheads? Like, <laughs> like, mom. Like, that's just like a mom thing to say. Do, did you ever see. Um, Roll of a split? <laughs> did you see Adventure t- uh not Adventure Time. <laughs> not Adventure Time. Adventure Time. Come no, on, not that one. Friends. <laughs> no, the the movie with uh, Jesse Eisenberg and Kristen Stewart. Yes, Adventure World Land. No, it's Adventure Land, right? Yeah, and there's with a Emma part- Stone? Yes. No, 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 that's Zombie Land. Oh Adventure shit. Lands with Kristen Stewart. Oh, I fucking and hate Jesse that bitch. Eisenberg. Sorry. <laughs> Tell us how you really feel. <laughs> but there's a part in that where Bill Hader and Kristen Wiig, like they're a couple who oh, work yes, at the park. Oh yes, 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 yes. They're in the park. And he's like, "What are you doing?" He's like, you, "He's like, you smoking drugs? Like you drinking, drinking the drugs or something like that?" Like, <laughs> he's like asking Jesse like, Eisenberg. Yeah. <laughs> or there's a part in the office too where Michael Scott's like, "Do you think that like smoking drugs is cool?" Like he just, <laughs> it's so dad. They'll about go to it. prison. <laughs> the worst thing about prison was the Dementors. <laughs> Anyways, great song. We'll edit all that out. Okay, so Tiff, we've talked about the things that we love. What about some things that we maybe don't love so much? It's very hard for me to admit this, but... Are there anything? Yes, there there's any- two tracks that I'm not super fond of. Oh, tell me. Uh, like, when I'm listening to the album from start to finish, these are the two songs I do skip, and they happen to be in a row, so it's a very easy, like, literally just two skips two in a row. Two and done, yeah. First one, this... I love solo but the reprise 
it sucks with Andre 3000 I'm sorry like I love Andre 3000 but not this track it just seems a little bit out of place to me like totally his vocals are obviously more like more noisy it's too for me it doesn't match the the vibe of the rest of the record no it doesn't and I didn't realize it was Andre because it's not it's not actually um or at least whatever I downloaded it doesn't say like featuring Andre 3000 no you you don't know unless you know Andre's voice yeah yeah so I I was listening to it and I was like what I was like this is this Andre well no I thought it was I was like is this frank like i'm so confused and then i I ended up googling it and it said on 50,000 like well that makes much more sense i think it was obviously because it's like you know curated i'm I'm assuming those two tracks in a row were intentional like having that like loud pop in between like the the beautiful flow of blonde yeah um because the song afterwards which is another one that i'm not a huge fan of the pretty sweet song it's yes. like it's like very like loud and yelly and like to me also doesn't flow and that comes just right after the reprise so they both kind of work hand in hand at being like those like loud kind of pieces that kind of like make you really come back like jolt yeah you're like what's happening like okay this is this doesn't sound like what i was listening to earlier i wasn't feeling it per se like it was a, a little bit of a bad buzz to me so i usually skip through those two tracks and then it just segues into i don't know what tracks after that is it you want to take a guess? You want to put money on it? I th- think. Use your Frank Ocean knowledge. Your ocean of knowledge, if you will. Oh my gosh, this is so hard right now. That's what she said. <laughs> Facebook story comes after. Oh, oh my God, I knew it that goes, too. So it's weird. That. That's three interludes in a row. I usually skip through three, yes. But like, Solo I reprise. Story. Pretty sweet. Then Facebook story. And I mean, pretty sweet. I, I don't know if it counts as an interlude. It's two minutes and 40 seconds long, which it's is kind, kind of, of long. It, it for is an interlude because it's not a real song. But it, that's the thing. It's not a real song that's on the record. Yeah. And then it goes in from Facebook story. It goes into to close to you. But yeah, I pretty sweet. I, did, I didn't really have a whole lot on that one. It clearly wasn't memorable enough for me. Um, and again, because I'm not an interlude person and I feel like you can also have interludes done in a way that seems so like random, like the newest James, James Bay, not James Blake, James Bay album right he's got an interlude on there and it's like 30 seconds of like a car driving and people talking and i'm like what is this like mm-hmm. why is this here and yeah. if i can't understand that as a listener it, it was a waste of my time right that's bluntly put oh blunt kiara is coming out blunt kiara comes beer out later. Blunt <laughs> kiara. uh yeah i'm not a fan of filler songs on a record and obviously right. you know you're gonna have a record where you're gonna have your singles so those are obviously gonna be like the meat and potatoes mm. of your record they're probably gonna be like three to four songs that everybody's gonna know that you're gonna play at the shows either first or last or like that like key encore point encore or something encore yeah. exactly so i understand that there's gonna be songs that aren't going to be bangers all the fucking time but I don't like the fact that you keep a song in there that that doesn't carry its own weight. But yeah, I, I just got bored. I would say I got bored on that one. And like, I, I hate to say it. I also hate to say it because I love me some Beyonce. I mean, who doesn't? She's a queen. But uh, Pink and White. Oh, we didn't I, like Pink and White. It's not that I like, it's not like I hated it with the fire of a Those thousand Those the Hello sons. Kitty vibes. Pink and White. Hello Kitty is Pink and White. Is that what the, it's alluding no, to? No, I just made oh. that up right now. I was going to say, I was like, <laughs> wow. <laughs> But I remember like hearing the the female voice come in near the end, like that harmonizing. Yeah. And I was like, she has a lovely voice. And then I was like, Beyonce, <laughs> like, that was you. Like, holy Is shit. That you? But she, I mean, like we know she like, she works with Frank. Like she obviously collaborates with Frank. He was on uh, the, like her self-titled album, the one that she released like under the table and was like, yeah. remember Beyonce? It was called Beyonce. And it was like, he has written. So Frank has written songs for like 
Bieber, everyone. For Beyonce. Bieber? Yeah, for Bieber. What did he write for Bieber? I don't know. I didn't really get that far because I was like, I don't really care for Bieber. Although I can't shit on the Diplo produced record. Um, purpose. Coming from me, it's a big... That's a big fucking deal. <laughs> well, yeah. So so it, it was a surprise for me to see Beyonce, but uh, I was like, I'm, like I can't... I, to be honest, I can't say anything negative, yeah. but I got so no, much I respect Beyonce. for Beyonce. I did want to take a moment. This next song isn't necessarily in one of the ones I love. It's not necessar- not necessarily in the ones uh, I didn't really like. I want to talk about Future Free because okay. it closes off the entire record. And this record in itself is an immense record. And I think he chose kind of a, a good song to end it on the song is nine and a half minutes long what i love about this one though is again you know when we were first talking i think the the theme of kind of confusion and um also confusion with fame plays very heavily into this last song because he speaks about you know he says i'm making 400 600 800k mama to stand on my feet mama to play these songs it's therapy mama they should be paying me i should be paying them right and to me that was so incredible to hear because people forget how cathartic that experience can be. We know how how it can be being in the audience for those shows. Like yeah. thinking of when you saw Frank or like, you know, the, the intimate shows that I've been to. Even some of the stadium shows I've been to. How cathartic that experience is for me and how great I feel after them. Like similar to how people get like a runner's high after like yeah. running. I don't run. so You know you go to like an amazing concert where like the next two weeks straight you're just listening to that soul album over yes. and over again. That like really, yeah, it's it's crazy and you're how that makes you feel. It. Yeah, you're reliving it. And then like when the song comes on, you're like, oh my God, this was my experience during the show. Like it's just like really uplifting and like. It's amazing. It's crazy how music can do that to you, like a live experience. But what I think goes unnoticed is that like you and I can talk about that being just regular and normal everyday folk going to concerts, but people don't talk about how it affects the artist. And I think that's what Frank's trying to get across here is that this is an incredibly cathartic experience for him. And when he says I should be paying them, it's like he's it's almost like he's getting so much more out of it than we are. And I'm like, I can't even begin to comprehend that because the energy in a stadium, the energy in a I don't know, a, a mid-sized venue, the energy in a club is so electric that I'm like, how could you possibly ever think that like, this is, this is more to you than it is for me. Like you are giving your art to us. And to me, that's the greatest gift, but he kind of sees that in reverse, how he, the, just the fact of people being there is more than enough. And he yeah. says, you know, um, I, sometimes I feel like I'm a God, but I'm not a God. Honestly, it's like, it's the artist struggle. Cause I have a lot of friends that are mu- music producers. Right. And like, a lot of times I see them, they're like producing off Ableton and they keep like re-editing the track over and over again because it's just never good enough. And like they're your your own worst critic, essentially. And I don't think it, and it's hard to be able to explain to somebody because he's just when humble. Yeah, he's he is very humble. And I and I love that because the the whole um, the whole eccentric like front person vibe, the whole like holier than thou. I am amazing. Enigmatic. Like, yeah, he's just like very. Yeah, he's he's but he but he's not uh i think he's enigmatic sorry but i don't i don't think he's like he soaks everything in and he doesn't have this big head he's not a he's not egotistical is, yes. is i guess what i'm trying to get at mm-hmm. obviously the words the words are getting hard man one right beer, one beer in i need a I'm refill actually now. tip <laughs> tip before we get our refills i do think we should give this uh album a rating so out of five blonde lagers no what are we drinking blonde ales I don't know where lager came from. How many blonde ales would you give Frank Ocean's blonde out of five? I would say four and a half blonde beers out of five. Why? Frank Ocean's blonde is a masterpiece. It's like the, I've been following him from the beginning and like just watching him grow from the nostalgia ultra mixtape to channel orange, which I already thought was epic to blonde. 
also he he released endless which is another like very experimental album the day before blonde so i haven't been listening to that as much as blonde but blonde is to me a masterpiece interludes and all um and it's just one of those albums where like i can listen to over and over again but yeah that that's just my it's just very close to my heart as well so that's why it's it's a very high rating four and a half out of five absolutely how about you though i'm gonna say so i I am a little bit more objective in this stance because this was the first time i heard this i will be able to give it a four out of five oh i appreciate that close scores (laughs) so my my last blonde ale that's kind of missing in my score i think i already talked talked about it but uh interludes weren't for me i think he had a clearly substantial record even without adding those songs in there. Mm-hmm. Not to say that they weren't great because I love the Be Yourself. Yeah. I like Facebook Story. Yeah, I don't like Solo Reprise. I don't like Pretty Sweet. But I think with maybe without those, I think I would have felt the impact more. Those songs kind of almost distracted me. Right. It like took me away from the main the main part of the album. Like, you know, like mm-hmm. when Andre 3000 comes in and starts yelling at me, I'm like, what? Like, <laughs> Why are you yelling? Why are you yelling at me? Like, I, I thought I was anything. so chilled out, man. Like, I was yeah. fucking ready to start crying again. And then you're like, you just start yelling at me from yeah. out of Anxiety no reason. Anxiety all over the place. Yeah. Exactly. So, but again, I, I would agree with you. I don't think we use the word masterpiece lightly in the music mm-hmm. industry, like in the music biz, like I'm like a fucking expert, <laughs> but I, I do think it, I think it's a very strong record. I do think it's a masterpiece. I think what he's been able to do with his lyricism and how he's been able to tie everything together is it's not common. And to be honest, he is in his own league. Like he's the only absolutely like alternative R and B hip hop producer that I know that's out there producing this type of music. Honestly, like it, it's a great record. I'm really happy that you were able to share this record into me and bring me along on your your <laughs> Frank Ocean journey. I know it's an album that, that means a lot to you, and I really appreciate you coming and talking about it today. Um, so thank you for coming and drinking some blonde ale with me and listening. And we'll be drinking more after this podcast. <laughs> so that's just the night's going to keep getting better. Right? Work's going to be real rough tomorrow, but it's okay. It prob- yes. Tiff, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast Thanks today. Thanks so much for having me. And uh, this is great. I'm uh, ready to finish these beers. Looking forward to the next one.